0: All right, well, week two in our series called Forward. And uh, so, you know, we've been talking about sowing seeds. We've been talking about moving forward, advancing the kingdom, whatever and wherever God has us go. Tonight, I want to talk to us about more of the secrets. Last week, we had talked about the secrets, one of the secrets of the kingdom of God. And that was that by sowing the seed, we get to the point where we know that when we sow many seeds that we have a wonderful harvest, and it takes time. We've got to be patient. Tonight, we're going to share another secret of the kingdom of God. But before I get to that, I want to talk about vision. And I want to talk about how vision is so incredibly important for our lives, and how vision, as we were talking about last night, it shapes the future. And what we learn about a need for vision is that you don't know where you're going, and, and you can be confused about where you're going, and you don't know... When you've gotten there if you don't know what you're looking for in fact if you turn down your your gps right now and just ask siri hey siri take me somewhere and she'd come back and say i don't understand because you didn't give her a destination and that's exactly the way it works in our life you know without a destination folks we're confused we just wander now it's not to say that we don't live it's not to say that we don't enjoy what's happening but what we will find is that over a period of time, that we get lost. We get confused. We don't have the result, the reward, the impact that we were wishing we could have. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, it says this, where there is no vision, my people perish. And in other translations, NIV, in in fact, it says this, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. Now, what's interesting about this word vision, in the Hebrew, it speaks more than just vision. It's basically what it's saying is without prophetic input, without God speaking into your life, you're going to get lost. You're going to, matter of fact, you're not just going to get lost, but you're going to perish. You're going to to die in certain aspects of your life. But here in this other translation, which is equally powerful, it says that people cast off restraint. And I got to thinking about this before I, you know, as, as I began to meditate on this a little bit more, I got to think, does that not describe, matter of fact, all of these keys of the kingdom of all, are, are all of these secrets, when, when the people of the earth do not engage and are not, not using these secrets, you're gonna see it in the culture. You're gonna see the fallout. You're gonna see the fruit of the lack of God's impact there. And in the same way, we see it. Where there is no vision, when there is no leadership, when there is not a person there who's leading us that has a a, a focus of blessing. The scripture says, when the wicked rule, the people groan. But when the righteous rule, the people are filled, they're content. And so you can see that in the world today where there's no real vision and not just vision again, it's a God vision. It's a prophetic input. It's connecting to the creator of our souls. When we can hear from God, and we're following in the ways of God, and it says that wisdom will flow out of that. What we're going to learn tonight is that when God gives us a vision, he's going to make sure we have everything we need in order to carry it out. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says that God has a hope and a future for all of us, doesn't he? A hope and a future. Now think about that. You can't have a hope. You can't have a future that is visionless. You can't have a future that has no picture, that has no no result, no, no, uh, no ending, no conclusion, no idea of I have arrived. If God says he has a hope for us, that hope is always attached to a future, something that means fruitfulness, something that means impact. Something that when we arrive there, we say, ah, this is what God was doing. This is what God meant when he spoke these things, when he showed me these things. So tonight, when I want to give you another secret, it's going to be in the kind of a form of a, of a formula, and I often think this way, but to, to keep it simple, but yet I'm going to expound on it quite deeply here tonight. But it goes like this, that vision plus faith equals kingdom fruit. Now, what I want to say about this before I get into it for, for our purposes is that f- like all secrets, like all keys of the kingdom as Jesus described them, described them, they are observable and you will see them operate both in you know, a secular fashion. So in, in, in other words, you can see when, when a leader gets a vision, when he says, look, I, I, I see what I want my corporation to look like. I, I want This is what my business to look like. This is what I want whatever I'm sewing into to look like. They've got a vision. They've got a picture of the future and then they sow faith into that or or commitment right then they're going to see fruit in the same way in the kingdom god is saying this is a kingdom principle that's observable in nature observable in the world but he's saying look when you get a vision that comes from god and then you walk in that vision in faith from god then it's going to result in incredible fruit in your life Now, we already established last week that what Jesus is really looking for us, he's saying, look, go and be fruitful. Go and gather the harvest. Be fruitful in your marriage. Be fruitful with your children. In fact, this taps right back into what God told Adam and Eve, right? What did he tell them? Go be fruitful and multiply. He said, go and enjoy what I've created for you. Know that I've only got good in store for you. I've got great things in store for you. And so, folks, we've got to have a vision. So let's look at our formula tonight. Let's break it down, and let me help you understand it. If you have the notes uh, on your app, because, you know, there's a lot that I'm going to give you here tonight, and I'm going to take my time with it as best I can, because I really want you to get all of this. But you'll, you'll need to go back over it. But let's look at vision, first of all. For the Christian, a personal vision is not accidental, Okay. It's not accidental. It's not something that you just happen upon. In fact, personal vision is providential. In other words, it comes from God. It comes from the heart of God. makes absolute sense. You know, there has been over the last 30 years this movement, if you will, and it continues to reverberate. It's kind of peaked, but it's still there, and that is that God has a purpose for us, right? You remember that? And it's just like, God has got a purpose. God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for your life. We might even call it a renewal, a revival of purpose from the heart of God. And God was clearly speaking to us. And so, it, again, it's not accidental. It's not something we stumble upon. It is bound up, and it's in the very heart of God. That's the whole hope and a future piece. It is that God knows you. Jesus came, and he preached that. And he said, look, my Father knows every hair on your head. He knows who, who you are, and it's providentially wrapped up in the heart of God. We look at Psalm 139. The ancients were always, David was con, con, uh, convinced of the fact that God knew he was before any day he ever came to be, which is what he wrote. So it's wrapped up in God. And God's purpose for our lives also includes its specificity. In other words, every little turn, every little part of our lives is is, is wrapped up in it all. So that every day has incredible meaning if we think in those terms. That every single choice is working toward. Every step we take is moving in the direction of fulfilling what it is that God has called us to be and to do. Now, when it comes to this vision, God gives us glimpses. So I want you to be thinking in terms tonight that the vision I'm speaking of is what would be best described as glimpses. Because no one ever has the full picture. We were just talking about that, Jim. You know, talking about our, our, life, you know, our life expectancy, to, to know. You know, what would it be like if we knew the day we were going to die? Well, I said, man, I'd eat a lot more donuts a few years before that. No doubt. But we don't know that, do we? Because only God knows that. God knows, everything, God knows everything about your life, but he only gives you glimpses. And why does, he give, why does he not show all of it to us? Well, for that very reason. That we'd think, well, you know, I'm not going to check out for another 50 years, so that means for 45 I can do whatever I want. So but God gives these glimpses, and, and it's for the purpose of, of, of hiding the mystery and giving us a sense of expectation and giving us that kind of that christmas day feeling that every single day is a gift and every single day is a a bit of a surprise as it works into what god has for us and when these when we talk about these glimpses i want to say that that the timing is is not included and i've explained that before what you, you, you notice about one of the characteristics of prophecy is that you, you see the pictures, you see images of what God's going to do, but it's like looking down the, 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 the timeline, and you can't see, as you turn it this way, you can see the time that it takes. And that's only in retrospect that you can see that. But in the timing of God, we look down the barrel, and I don't know when God's going to do it, but I can see some of the things he's going to do. And God gives us those little snapshots from time to time in prayer. Maybe we're reading in Scripture, and and, and the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, and and he might reveal to you, and he gives you what you need in order for you to then say, okay, if that's what God has called me to do, then I need to prepare. And I need to do this, and I need to do that. And we begin to think in terms of, of, of preparing for that providential plan. And without quite, so this whole talk of god has a pur- pur- purpose for your life well wouldn't it be a little cruel if all we ever did was talk about that god has a purpose for his life and he never shows you what it is i mean that would be ridiculous but no in fact the whole idea is that god has a, pur- a purpose for your life is that you will discover what that is now again nobody's going to stand up here and say david i know exactly what's going to happen to me every single day of my life isn't that amazing Well, I'd have to say, well, we need to sit down and talk because that's not true. In fact, you're only getting glimpses. And it's for only, well, I'm trying to not get ahead of myself here. So the whole idea and the nature of prophecy is to show us two things. These glimpses have two purposes. Number one is to show you that God is over all things, including history. God is in charge of it all. Nothing takes him by surprise. God is not up there panicking. God never wrings his hands. God never is surprised. But anything that happens in history, it it happens according. He is all-knowing. To be a sovereign God is to know all things. What does God know and when did he know it? God knows all things and he's always known it. That is what it is to be God. And so by giving us these glimpses, they're wonderful reminders that God knows God knows. The second part of this and why he gives us glimpses is that these glimpses give us hope. They give us determination. And they give us patience. Because we know we got to wait on God. And that is the hardest thing. Especially the young person. The young person, a lot of times, God often gives the glimpses when we're young. I have found that to be true. And when we get the glimpses when we're young, we immediately assume, well, they're all going to happen tomorrow. We immediately assume, as we're looking down the stick, the 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 the, the his, historical stick of time, and we think, "Wow, he's going to do this! Boom, 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 boom!" And it's all going to happen right now. Well, that's not true. And I can tell you, even from my own life, so many things that I saw as a young man, the places that I traveled, the places that I went. I mean, it took me many, many years to then have those glimpses come to pass. And wow, well, you know, and you've heard me share a few of those stories, and so. I would then look back in retrospect and, and it's, I'm, I'm afraid to say it, but it's the old person's victory to say, or, or something they're going to say over and over again, I should have been more patient. I should have trusted God more. I should have been, you know, because we ring, when is God going to do it? When is God going to do it? When is God going to do it? And a lot of times we get ahead of God and we try to push God and we try to force God. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, when we're trusting God when God gives us his glimpses that we can rest well God's gonna do it don't know when he's gonna do it but I know he's gonna do it we know Jesus taught us to pray your kingdom come your will be done and we add to it not to the prayer to scripture but just the understanding whenever you plan to do it whenever you plan to do it see that that is the the struggle Of the young believer is to think that when we we jump into the scriptures and you grab a hold of those promises that you immediately just assume they're going to happen right now they're going to all of it is going to be at my bequest my my behest I'm going to I'm going to press and force the hand of God but God is saying no this is going to happen in my timing because I want to mature you because while I'm building the vision I'm also building you in fact, I'm giving you glimpses of something that will not, you will not be ready to do until what I have fulfilled inside you happens. Let me give you an example of that. David. David is 13, 14 years old and he's anointed as king. King! He's anointed as king. He had every right to go up to Saul and say, Hey, how you doing? Are you the guy whose job I'm supposed to take? God had made him king. It didn't happen for another 20 years. Now, you can look at that and say, God, what were you doing? Except God was giving David a glimpse. God was giving him the anointing. But it took 20 years to build the character to carry it. Character over anointing, which is why we preach that, right, brothers? That's why we believe this. Character over anointing. Saul was the exact opposite of that. Saul was big, tall, handsome-looking guy. Surely the king, no character. Had all the strength, had all the personality, had all what the world would look at and say, what a wonderful king-like guy, except he didn't obey God. And that's a problem. Vision is from God himself. When we talk about vision, I'm talking about a picture that God wants to put inside you. And he, he, and he will reveal it for the hungry heart. The, the heart is willing to look past that which is natural, that which is, um, uh, you know, stunted in this world, because that, that, that's the world we live in, folks. In the world we live in, it is, it is, it is not supernatural. It is not visionary. It, it, it does, our life is not wrapped up in something powerful and good and eternal. It's just not. And so it can stunt. It can squelch. It can uh, absolutely blind the vision of, of, of God's people if we let him. But if we let our heart out and just say, God, I want to be what you've called me to de- be. So I ask you to let me see what it is that I'm called to be. you got a purpose for my life. I want to see some of it. And guess what? God will show you some of it. He absolutely will. He'll give you the crucial piece, pieces that will help you move forward in a preparatory, powerful, and patient way. He will show you, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And a vision from God should fulfill all three of those. Absolutely. He says, I'm the way. God will show you the way. I'm the truth. God will show you and build truth inside you as you are found. Your purpose will be bound up and wrapped up in the truth of scripture and of course life. It's going to be a joyful, wonderful thing. And the only reason why it would never be a joyful, wonderful thing is one, you're not in the purpose of God or two, you're becoming impatient and waiting for the purpose of God to take shape. It's the only two reasons. Now, in contrast, we talk about fantasy. And what is fantasy? Well, in this world, or, or even for Christians, I think sometimes we get caught up in fantasy. It is the, the antinomy, it's the opposite of of, uh, of faith, a vision. Sorry. Fantasy is our own conjuring. It flows out of pride and selfishness. Often trying to fulfill a desire without God. And we might even paint at God we may make, make it look spiritual, but yet deep in, in its heart, it is selfish and it's proud and it's, you know, it's narcissistic. It's all about me. Pastor Jamie in our leaders meeting last night, he taught us and, he, and we all repeated it. It's, this is not about us. Because what we find when we get excited about what God's purpose, what we find is that as we follow in the way of Christ, we, we find out it is th- that our fruitfulness is going to be expanding the kingdom of God by loving and laying down our lives so that more and more can be added to the kingdom. And then God pours joy and peace and life into us. It's an up, down, upside-down kingdom in many, many ways. So fantasy is us trying to fulfill our desire without God, or with just in God's name only. But a lot of times what we try to do, and Christians are guilty of this, is to push God, to try to push God, which in many ways can delay God's plan for many seasons or even years. See, a lot of times what can happen is when we are impatient, Or we don't like the plan that we see coming. We don't like the glimpse that God has shown to us. And God is showing us something else. And we don't like it. Maybe somebody's convinced us of something else. And maybe we haven't bought into what it is that God has done. Or what God is not planning to do. Which is a lot harder. A lot harder. But when, when we settle into that. Then we will have peace. But when we're not settled in it there's going to be a discordant experience on the inside. Our soul's not going to be settled. And when our soul is not settled, you do one or two things. You either withdraw from God or you try to push God. And when you try to push God, you know what the Scripture says that is? I, I, don't, I hate to say it, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to say it. It's witchcraft. Trying to push God. In, in any way, whether it be in your prayers, whether it be in, your, in trying to manipulate your purpose or to try to take and, and deface the, the image that God or the glimpse that God has given you, that's witchcraft because you're trying to manipulate. And that's exactly why Saul was rejected because he said, well, you wanted to, to me to, I knew you wanted to sacrifice, so I went ahead and did it. He goes, that's not what I told you. I told you to wait. I was going to do it. See? God says, I want to do what needs to be done inside you. To just go through the quick course, to try to run the gauntlet and just come out the other side and say, okay, well, I did it. And God has said, no, you didn't. Because it didn't shape you. It didn't change you. It didn't transform you. You don't look any more like me than when you started. And you don't act any more like me than when you started. All you're trying to do is get what you want in your timing, and you're trying to push and manipulate my hand. And that will not result in your good at all. No, no. See, the nature, well, Jesus, see, Jesus prayed that, didn't he? Did Jesus face this? Of course he did. Right there to the very end. He goes to the Lord. Lord, Father, is there any other way that we can accomplish this? And Jesus has already preached and said, look, unless a kernel of wheat fall to the ground and die, he knows he's got to die, but his humanity cries out inside him, reminding us all that that will forever be, well, not forever, but here in this life will always be our struggle. Lord, is there another way? Is there another way? But notice Jesus, before those words even came out of his mouth, they were, they were followed by his submission. But not my will, but yours to be done, Father. You know, in your great wisdom, if there's any way that I don't have to go through what I've read there in the book of Isaiah. If there's any way, Father, would you, but then he just surrendered to it. So it's not wrong of us to say, Lord, this is not happening the way I thought it was going to happen. In my own life, 22 years as an executive pastor, and I thought years ago I would be a senior pastor. Years and years ago. That that, that certain things would happen in my life. And nothing happened the way I thought it was going to happen. Which is an amazing thing. But when I came to that place of completely surrendering to the will of God. And knowing, Lord, okay, if this is what you want me to be for the rest of my life, I embrace it with all heart and attitude. I surrender to you. Not my will, but yours be done. And that was interesting. Because I think up in heaven, God looked over at Peter and said, he got it. Okay, he's ready. Interesting, isn't it? The nature of vision, folks, almost always seems impossible in human terms. Impossible as far as our will is concerned, but then once you get past that, so let's turn this, 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 this corner. Now what we're talking about is, is, is vision being something that in, in our mind's eye Is absolutely from the heart of God and it is absolutely feels like an impossible thing it overwhelms us it will not it cannot happen unless God does it and and what I have found is that these glimpses at first are things that we can we can handle or we get excited about but all of a sudden some of these glimpses start getting a little scary David, I want you to do this, or what I've called you to do is that. But nobody in the world is doing this. Nobody in in my neighborhood is doing this. Nobody in my class is doing this. Nobody in my family is doing this. And God says, no, but this is what I've called you to do. It's going to be too hard. Well, no, I'll be there for you every step of the way. I will help you. We call it vision, folks, because we can see it in our mind's eye. We call it vision because God will give us a picture. In time, we begin to gather that vision. We begin to to get that picture in our mind. And as it matures and as it grows, and as we begin to see it, God gives us more glimpses and more glimpses. And the more we see and the more we've been down the road, road, we more we grow in this absolute, just saying, God, you're so much smarter than me. You know exactly what needs to happen in my life. I'm so looking forward to what you have planned next. So let's talk about faith. So vision, vision is having the heart of God, seeing the heart of God for your life. So we teach you that in our next step. We, we want you to know what it is that God has made you to be, to discover what your gifts are. And when you surrender to those things and you offer them to God and you let them be gathered up into the purposes of God, man, I'm telling you, that's an exciting place to be. It's the final frontier. It's not space. It's the kingdom of God. Now, in relationship to vision, faith is something God also provides. It is a gift from God to go with the vision. And that's what I love. That's the best part. In fact, a lot of times what you will see, and that is often how you can know it's a vision from God, because inside you're going to go, God's going to do this. I don't know how he's going to do it, but God's going to do this. And, 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 and as that faith is, the, the, lo- the more that you surrender to that vision that God has for you, the more you're going to find a matching faith that goes with it. And God will provide. Because with every vision, there is provision in every way. We'll talk a little more about that. The faith is believing with certainty. The vision will be fulfilled. Why? Because it comes from God and relies upon God god will get, bring the provision to the kingdom vision so how does one describe faith well a lot of people teach on faith but this is just my simple answer utter trust in god and all of his ways utter trust it's knowing that whatever god says he's going to do no question you know you wouldn't say well i mean there, there's no betting on the the, the the on the ways of god there's no you know any any uh, percentage It's 100%. What God says is going to happen is is going to happen. And when you've got that kind of settled faith, you can't be moved. Nobody can shake it from you. People can try to shake it from you. But on the inside, you're going, no, this is what God has said. And I'm not going to hit you over the head with it. I'm not going to try to hurt you with it. I'm not trying. It's going to come with patience. It's going to come with love. It's going to come with just a, a quiet, settled note. No, God is going to do this. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it. And how it gets to that place is, is, is one of the hardest things. And that is, with faith, we will encounter challenge. Faith is tested. Why is faith tested? I mean, think about it for a minute. I mean, if, if, if faith is given by God and it's a gift from God, shouldn't it be easy? Shouldn't it be just, well, I just trust God? Well, there's two reasons why faith is, is a tough thing. Because number one, it is, re, well, it's resisted in two ways. Number one, it is resisted by this world. The world, the world system, the God of this world, resists God at every turn, every turn. And so whenever we take upon something that God wants us to do, we're immediately going to run into the world. There are going to be those, even those Peters in our life who said, no, 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 I'm not going to let that happen. Get thee behind me, Satan. It's not, it's not the, word, the will of God for my life. I, I know it. It's going to be resisted. Folks, The moment I, I, I said I wanted to follow and I'd heard in God wanted to, uh, that I was called to ministry and I was changing my life at the age of 17. My dad, God rest him, he's in heaven now waiting for me. But my dad, God bless him, came to me when I lived in Greenville, Vicki. He came and he, he said, David, I want to take you to a psychiatrist because there's all this talk of God, all this talk about change. You don't want to play football anymore. You've changed in the course of your life. There's something way wrong. And it, was, it wasn't until tears, and I told him, Dad, you haven't seen what I've seen. You don't, you, you don't know what God has been doing with me on the inside. That he finally saw my passion and looked into my eyes and realized that God had done something inside me. It will be resisted. We know in the Old Testament when they were rebuilding and they had a vision for, uh, for the rebuilding of the city, the Sanballat and Tobias are going to come and they're going to gather around us and they're going to try to discourage us from doing what it is that God has called us to do, what he's called you to do. And, and they represent all the worldly systems. They, they represent all the isms. You know, it is amazing, folks. The, the, <laughs> it's a wonder that we can walk and talk and, and live it all with a constant barrage of deception and attack against the vision and purpose of God that's in your life, but with faith. In fact, when that resistance comes, that's when our faith becomes stronger. In fact, for me to be able to communicate to my dad, Dad, this is what God has called me to do, it firmed up inside me. It firmed up. Something went deeper to the point where then I led my dad to Jesus within just a few months of that very confrontation. That's interesting, isn't it? The second reason why, in, in ways that our faith is tested and why it is tested is we resist the will of God. The world resists it, but let's be honest, we do too. Because it doesn't always come... You know, we, we, sometimes we have these grandiose plans of what we think God's going to do for us. Or we're afraid. I mean, let's go at the opposite extremes. One, we get grandiose plans. We think we're the next whatever. And then over here, we, we just think, no, I, I don't. Mm, that makes me nervous. I, I don't want to do anything that's going to embarrass me, get me out of my comfort zone, mess up my TV watching from 8 to 10. You know, mm-mm. I don't want my world upside down. We resist the plan of God. Which is why faith has to be tested. And God is going to bring, God is going to draw you out and God is also going to sharpen you up. He draws you out because if he's got a plan for your life and you're not on board, well, God's going to say, well, look, I'm not going to bless you. I'm not going to do the things that you're hoping for until you step into what I've called you to be. I I, I almost hate to say it, but I think that, that really does describe a lot of the church today right there. God purifies our motives, separating it from faith. We tend to lean on our strength way too much, and perhaps our fears too. But a lot of times, when we do get it, we we come launching out, and and, and there's a lot of uh, presumption in it. There's a lot of pushiness and a lot of i want to do it my way and wrestle it out of the hands of god and try to make it make it happen his way and god is saying no 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 this is this is my vision i'm just calling you to participate in it i'm giving you the privilege of being able to walk with me and make these things happen and of course you'll be blessed for it in incredible ways see without faith the vision tends to die we know that he said without a vision People perish. And without faith to go with that vision, it is going to, we could start off with an incredible vision for our life, but all of a sudden, without faith to go with that, we lose hope, we lose patience, we lose perspective. See, faith cannot take root when a person does not trust God. So, faith is absolutely essential to everything we do. And it begins with a faith and utter trust in God so that we can serve God, so that we can come into what he has for us. It's faith. (laughs) Folks, we begin faith, we live in faith, and we finish in faith. It's faith beginning to the end. Okay? The moment we try, and and I challenge people all the time, I'll say, look, why are you trying to do in your own strength what you started in faith? What are you trying to do when you came to him like a, you know, a sobbing, you know, broken, you know, human being. Why is that you now come back and say, God, I got it, it's good, I'll take it from here. We can't do that. In fact, (laughs) that is so foolish. Because the reality is it gets harder. The reality is is when we wake up and realize what that that it isn't all about us. You know, I tell young pastors, guys that are studying for the ministry, I look into their eyes and I say, look, you do understand you're called to die, right? You, you do know that, that you're called to die. You're called to lay down your life. And it's not just for pastors. It's, it's all of us. Because the reward at the end is eternal life. Unless a kernel falls into the ground. Jesus wasn't just talking about himself there. He was talking about all of us. Faith then becomes Refined the more we are trusting God for every aspect of our lives. And then, folks, when we turn the corner, what does it equal? When we have faith and vision together, then it's kingdom fruit. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Look, whatever you ask in his name, is always contingent upon it being his will. Absolutely. This is, this is not a vending machine God. This is finding out what our purpose is. Let's, let's, it's finding out what it is that God has created to me. It's getting a picture of what God has, and he wants to do in my life. And then God, it receiving the, the faith that, for that, to make it happen. And then when I'm submitting to that, then I can just say, now with power, start saying, Lord, in your name, make that happen. In your name, take me to the next thing because I'm resisting your will. The world is resisting your will. Why do we need faith? Why do we need uh, absolute uh, uh, perseverance? Because, man, it is hard. We've got our flesh to contend with. We've got this world to contend with. We've got a lot of stuff that's trying to push against us. Even good people, even people who know the things of God, who studied the Word of God, can begin to get lazy and forget what it is that we're called to do. The church is incredibly guilty of this. In other words, folks, what it's all about, the kingdom fruit, what is the fruit? What is the fruit? Folks, I'll tell you what it is because Jesus kept on talking about it all the time. He exemplified it. He never changed. He said it's all about bringing souls into the kingdom. It's all about you using whatever God has placed inside you in whatever creative, wonderful ways of making that happen. And yet we can get lost. We can get lost. We, we become tunnel visioned. that, wow, I'm, I'm so excited about what God is, is going to use me to do. I remember a pastor said that one time. He, said, he got up there and he said, you know, I asked God to use me. And man, did he ever. He used me use me up. So careful what you ask for. Except that is the truth. Folks, when, see, when when we talk about fruit, what are we really doing? What are you building? What are you spending your time building? I mean, what are you doing with your hands? What are you doing with your mind? What are you pouring into? Does it have eternity? Because here's the truth, folks. Anything that is built just for man and the heart of man and for man goes nowhere. I mean, can you imagine how many uh, monuments and I mean, think of, I think about that all the time, the wonderful things that happen and the accolades that human beings do but if it has nothing to do with the kingdom of God it's forgotten. Scripture tells us it'll be burnt up, wood, hay, stubble, straw, bronze but whatever is done for the glory of God whatever is done to expand his kingdom whatever we sow whatever seeds we sow into the good soil of the heart of God and his purpose for our life will be rewarded not only here which is awesome but forever in heaven forever in heaven you can't take riches with you we know that we come naked into this world and we leave it the same way but we do take with us for eternity the rewards, the fruit that we have built in the very heart of God, coming through your purpose, right there, folks. It's in you. You may have discovered it. You may not have discovered it. Maybe you've forgotten it. Maybe you, haven't even, you, maybe you haven't seen a glimpse lately. You know, and when these kind of things happen in this world, when we've got pandemics and we've got political chaos, that is exactly what Satan is counting on you doing. is forgetting who you are, forgetting what is in you, and, getting, and just saying, look, I don't care what's going on in the world. I'm going forward. And I'm going to continue to do what he's called me to be and to do, regardless of whatever the circumstance. Period. We know that we're going to be blessed. We're going to be blessed here when we follow in in his steps because we're faithful with what God has placed in our hearts and in our hands. Because often that that fruit does, or that, that purpose does come out in our hands. Folks, you want to get blessed. I know we want to all be blessed. That's why you're here tonight. That's why you're here tonight, because you want to get closer to God. You want to please God. And instinctively, you know by pleasing God, God's going to take care of you. You know that by worshiping Him, there's a return. You know that. And it's actually not something to be ashamed of. But we don't want to just stop there. We don't want to just be a child who, who just does something that is um, just when our mother, our father is looking in our direction. We don't want to just when we've got his attention here say, Lord, look at me. I am loving you. Look at me. I'm faithful to you. You know, it's when his back is turned and when we walk out those doors that we get busy what it is that he he has affirmed reaffirmed in our times of worship here and taking the words and the encouragement and the exhortation and the words prophetically spoken into your life that you walk out those doors and you get busy tapping in discovering and releasing what it is that god you're part to play in all this period you want to get blessed And here it is. Then make God's heart and vision to reach this world your own. Don't tolerate it. Don't just say that's for other people. No, you take it and say, it's mine. You know, I tell young people all the time, I say, look, do you want to experience some amazing blessing in this world? Respect older people. Say, yes, sir, no, sir. And watch the gray-haired people do everything they can to help you. But if you push them aside and you disdain them and you treat them unkindly, you step on their feet and you take their parking spaces and you treat them unkindly, they're not going to lift a finger to help you in this world. Not going to do it. And that's just a natural thing. And if that's what we see in this world and a natural thing, how much more does God, when we say to him, God, it's not all about me, it's what is your heart, God? What do you want to do? How do you want to change? You want, you said the, the, the harvest is white. You said that there is people all around me that absolutely need to hear what it is that you've pl- placed inside me. When I get a hold of that, make it mine. Watch God bless your socks off, folks. So many of us ask the question, well, why am I not getting blessed? Well, I ask this question, or I, well, it's a statement plus a question. Well, are you blessable? Have you turned God's, I mean, does God look at you and say, yeah, you're an integral part of what I'm doing. You carry my burden. You carry what it is, the vision. So, folks. This is what I'm I'm ultimately saying. Vision plus faith equals kingdom fruit. What I'm saying is, is when your vision is in God and for God and through God God, and you embrace the faith to make that happen, you're going to see God's blessing in your life. And you can have incredible confidence of knowing when you stand before him, you're going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's my job as your pastor to do everything I can to not... Get in the way of that, more than anything, to give you every opportunity to load up, to load up. To not only be taught how it happens, but to give you opportunities in your community to build up a reward, to focus on what God has called you to do. You're not going to find a greater vision than Great Christ's great commission. Are there other pursuits? Sure. Other causes? Yeah. Other dreams? We got plenty. And some of them do have God's hands on them because they always play back into expanding the kingdom of God. And that's the beauty of all this that you can be a musician up here and draw people to the kingdom of God. You can be an artist. You can be an engineer. You can be a teacher. You can do whatever it is that you've, you can make a widget. Whatever it is. You know, I worked at UPS, and I sat on that belt, man, chunking boxes. And it would seem like the most boring job on the planet. But you know what happened? Because of the four years we were there, I had at least a dozen other people across the belt from me. They're, they're going to be looking at me for four, five hours every morning. And I was going to be sharing them with the gospel with them. I was going to engage them. I was going to be praying for them. It was a kingdom opportunity. Chunk in boxes? Absolutely. Because when I made God's heart my heart, when I embraced it, and when we think that way, nothing is boring in this world. It's all exciting. It's all an opportunity. When you build something material for the kingdom, it's good as long as it's producing fruit. Here's a simple illustration for you. You know, there are tools that we use to bring in the harvest. The tool is man-made because it brings in the harvest faster. And it is celebrated. So when we look at combines and we see all the wonderful things that happen to bring in the fruit, you know, nobody sits out there and say, man, that's a bummer. Why are they doing that? No, everybody says, awesome. Fills up the store, you know, the shelves a lot faster. Do you think God thinks the same way? Do you think God gets excited about a church that says we're going to fill it up three times and when we're done with three times we're going to fill it up five times. Well how are you going to do it? I don't care. Did Jesus question the man that got five talents and turned in another five? Did Jesus in that story say well how did you get them? How did you turn that prophet? Uh uh-uh. uh. As <laughs> long as it's not immoral folks. Kingdom of God folks we're, we're if we're going to change this world, if you're going to change your community, if you're going to do anything that has impact and you want to bear fruit in this life, folks, it's time to stop playing and get busy doing what, is, what God has called us to do. And we're doing it. And we're going to continue to do it. See, the farmer sees the whole harvest when it's brought in. Does he really care how? And sometimes we fight over the hows, don't we? That's pretty sad. A lot more I could say on that right there, but I want to tell you right now, or ask you to finish tonight. Do you have a vision for your life? Do you have a vision for your life? And does it come from the heart of God? Okay? And so, if you don't have a destination, if you don't know what your hope and future, if you don't know where you're going you know, if you don't know what your destination destination is, you're not, you're not going to know when you've arrived. You're not going to know the checkpoints along the way. The moment you begin to ask God and say, God, I want to be involved. I want to give my life to your purposes. And wherever you are in your life, whether young or old, it doesn't matter, to just say, God, I want to be wrapped up. I want to be included. I want you to use who I am, what I've created, what comes out of my hands, both in, 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 in using the gift, And all the different gifts that God distributes among his body for his glory. Do you have a vision? Do you have a fruit increasing plan? Folks, the purpose of the church is to use our gifts and resources together to fulfill Christ's command. That's what it's all about. It's what it's all about. Why do we meet together the way we do? It's because we're trying to bring together all the different creative pieces in what we call the body of Christ and to know that when we have so much creativity here, when we have so much uniqueness here, how much can we do when we really bear down together, when we give of our time, our energy, and our resources? If the church would finally wake up and realize, and I'm talking about the church as a whole, what amazing things can happen. What amazing things can happen. I'm going to pray that God gives you a vision. That's what I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray that God's going to give you faith to match that vision. And then I'm going to pray that you get excited about the kingdom fruit that's going to come out of your life as a result of it. Amen? Let's stand up tonight. Amen. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, nothing is wasted. Every little piece. Lord, even our our struggling, God, our battling with you, our resistance. In fact, God, when we resist, that's our will, Lord, being honed, surrendering to you. So, Lord, I want to pray tonight over your people. I want to pray that, Lord, you would remove the blockages. God, you would remove the confusion. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see and open our ears to hear what it is that you've called us to do. And Lord, I pray for a new hunger to discover it. Lord, overwhelm us with the need. Overwhelm us, God, with what it is that you want to do through us. God, to awaken a new passion, to awaken us, God, Lord, to that final frontier. Man, boredom, Lord, is just a plague on our generation. Lord, I pray that you just would remove that and replace it, God, with excitement. Because, God, we get to do this with you. And, Lord, all the creativity, all the color, Lord, all the detail, the God that's going to come out of this is just amazing. So, Lord, I pray you bless us, you keep us, God, you shine your mighty, mighty grace and face upon us, because, Lord, we know when you do, we are going to hear your voice, we are going to be led, step by step, to advance your kingdom, to make your praise glorious, to make the name of Jesus known and heard, celebrated in heaven and feared in hell. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I can just see it tonight. God, you're releasing hearts, especially in young people tonight. God says, I'm setting you loose. God, God's asking you a question. Are you ready to run with me? Are you ready to run with me? I'm going to take you places you can't even imagine yourself. The Lord says to you, young, young ones in this room today, I've got an adventure for you. I've got fruit that's waiting for you. I've got a harvest of joy and celebration waiting for you. Don't take the counterfeit. Don't take the short path. Take anything that this world or the enemy offers, it will rob you of what I have. Follow me. Lord, I pray right now, God, that all of us would follow you. Lord, it is an adventure. And Lord, it promises to have great reward. Lord, that there's an expectation an expectation of what you're going to do instead of the opposite of that. Lord, a fearful, a a dread. Lord, I pray you lift dread off your people tonight in Jesus' name. God's lifting that dread off of you if you'll let him have it. And what he wants to replace it with is joy and expectation. Receive it. It's his gift. Lord, we thank you tonight. Bless us, keep us, make your face shine upon us in all that we do in these coming days. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen, God bless you. Folks, if you would like prayer tonight, come on down. Pastor Jamie, we'd love to stand with you, pray for you. See you again soon.